Welcome back to Chronicles of a Psychonaut. We're back today with another Tantra episode with Halo Saranko. In the first episode, which was episode 12, titled The Tantric Path, we talked with Halo about Tantra as a spiritual path of awakening and some of the misconceptions about Tantra in the West and what really it, the, the true depth of the system of Tantra as an ancient spiritual path. And in this episode, I wanted to focus more on Tantra for couples or the methodology of going deeper within oneself through tantric sexual union with another uh, because that is sort of the western idea of what tantra is so i wanted to get into what does the traditional system have to offer um, about sex now that we know that tantra offers a lot more than sex so um, in this episode we talk about how to cultivate sexual energy and um, what are some of the obstacles within each of us that causes that keeps us from going deeper within ourselves or deeper with our partner um, we talk about the wound of separation as related to sexuality and how we can cultivate a deeper and more intimate experience with ourselves first and foremost that can then open the way for uh, a deeper union and connection with another. Uh, we talk about some of the fundamental differences between the male and female sexual response and how that can play into relationship dynamics and sexual dynamics. So um, it was another really rich episode with Halo today, and um, I think you'll enjoy it. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about some ways that you can support the podcast. Uh, one really simple way to support the podcast is by subscribing to my YouTube channel, uh, liking my Facebook page, and following me on Instagram. And you can find all of those Chronicles of a Psychonaut. Search on any of those platforms and you'll find me. Super simple to just go and click the thing and it actually does help me. Uh, another way you can support the podcast is by considering becoming a patron and donating to me monthly. And you can do that on patreon.com by going to patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash chronicles of a psychonaut. And that, you know, I've been realizing now that I'm becoming a content provider, how much work this actually is. And it's actually way more work to put on a podcast than I ever realized. Um, I know it's some work, but when you have to do everything by yourself, and for me, it's my personal choice to put out an episode per week because I feel like by putting at least one episode a week, it's gonna help the podcast grow faster. Plus, I really like doing it. It's a hobby of mine. I really enjoy it, but it turns out to be a significant time commitment every week and, um, and one that doesn't pay. So I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy to be having these conversations and be putting out good content for everyone. And if you enjoy it and you feel inspired to give back, I super appreciate it because it really helps 
it, it, I mean, even just the monthly bills of the hosting and, and all the um, software fees and things like that, it really does help. So uh, even I think you can donate even as little as $1 per month. If every listener donated $1 per month, I mean, that would that would actually make a, a big difference for me. So please consider that. And I also have an Etsy store where I sell crystals, jewelry, shamanic tools. Um, I just finished up putting putting up the rest of my Shipibo rattles that are handmade gourd rattles made in the Amazon by the Shipibo people in Peru. And I've just been on, uh, I've just been working super hard and putting up as much stuff as I can um, because I'm moving to Asia in December. And so I'm trying to put up tons of shop inventory. So great place to get Christmas gifts and things like that. Right now you can use the code word podcast through the end of October only to get 15% off anything, anything in the store. And I'm going to have a new code for November for some select items to get a discount. So use that code word podcast when you check out on my store, it's etsy.com slash shop slash infinity within. That's how you can get there. And all of these links are in the episode description. Uh, whether you're listening, uh, um, just listening on a podcast app or YouTube. And you can also go to my website, chroniclesofapsychonaut.com to see all of this stuff. So thanks again so much for the support. Thanks for listening. This week we topped over 2,000 downloads. I feel like we went from 1,000 downloads to 2,000 super quick. And just month after month, I mean, I've only been live since the beginning of July and um, the podcast is growing. So appreciate you all for listening and for spreading the good word. And so all that said, I'm going to cue the music and we'll be right back with Halo. Back in the studio today with Halo Saranko. And this is the second episode with Halo. In the first episode, we talked about Tantra, traditional Tantra. And that episode is one of the most popular episodes that I've had so far. Um, uh, it's had a couple hundred listens, which is more than... <laughs> more than usual for this very new podcast so i want to thank you for coming back in my pleasure mm -hmm. yeah and we had a two and a half hour podcast and we talked about a ton of stuff and really i felt like we could have kept going for several more hours so here we are here we are to do more <laughs> um before we get into it i just want to go in a completely different direction i'm curious about your name halo and that's your birth name right it's not my birth oh it's not name, your birth actually, name no, okay it's not how 
how uh, do you would you mind telling? Like I'm just because <laughs> I've known you for years, but I actually yeah. don't even know the story of how yeah. you came by that name. Yeah, it's um, it's not so romantic, but uh, I was a wild little hippie girl. Grew up in Boise, Idaho, which is a very um, it's, this is actually relevant because uh, I think it was my upbringing and. No offense if you're from Boise, Idaho. I think it's a beautiful place, wonderful place to grow up. But I felt very culturally starved growing mm -hmm. up there. And I think that's what drew me so strongly to India because the culture is so thick and completely different and vast and into these traditions like Tantra and um, yoga and whatnot. Um, so when I left home uh, as a little wild hippie girl I think I went through a few names <laughs> how old were you when you left I was 19 mm -hmm. yeah and that was it I left and I'm 32 and I haven't been back to live so um yeah I left and I was touring with a jam band for a while and a bunch of other wild hippies who all had crazy names and I was like I really want a different name but I didn't want to like give it to myself and um, I came to California and gosh, how old was I then? I must have been 22. So I've been Halo for about 10 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and I came here and I had a job in the topiary business. <laughs> what is top? <laughs> what is that? What? Oh, okay. <laughs> Scissor work. Yeah, scissor work. Um, what does topiary mean? What does that word mean? To be honest, I don't know, but I've had okay. friends joke that they're in the topiary business. I think something like trimming bushes or something. Yeah. The gardening business. Gardening business. and um, Small scale landscaping. Yeah, and I'd never, it was my first time doing that kind of work, and I was like, oh my God, I had no idea that there was this whole... We're talking about trimming marijuana in, case all, <laughs> in case all of that went over Okay, I'm allowed head. to say that? Okay. Yeah. This is a psychedelic podcast. <laughs> Right, right, all. right. Okay. So I was trimming weed yeah. and blushing. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm admitting, I'm admitting coming about out. my past <laughs> that led me to Tantra. Um, and it was actually, here's how unromantic it is. My first trim job, the man for the life of him could not remember my name. Mm -hmm. My birth name is similar to Halo. Um, I may or may not share that with y'all. And apparently not. <laughs> Um, and he just could not remember my birth name. And so he started calling me Halo and, uh, it kind of stuck. Then the whole group started calling me Halo and I was there for over a month. And so I was Halo for over a month and I was like, you know what? I was really into fire dancing back then. So I was like, Hey, that's kind of a good fire dancer name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so Halo it was. And then the next trim scene that I was at, they did this whole renaming ceremony because you're not supposed to put like your illegal name on the bag right right and so they had this very glorified way of not just make up some name and write it on the bag but they did actually like a renaming ceremony and we stood in a circle and like imagined like the highest potential of ourself and then stepped forward into that with the new name mm. so that was how i became halo mm -hmm. there's something well this is uh <laughs> something that's very common in the alternative community in the burning man community to have um, another name, an alias, a moniker, or just kind of, uh, it's a good way to embody, like to step forward into a new way of being. Yeah. And, um, Finch is not my given name or it's not my birth name either. 
And it was a nickname that I got in college that some people called me from time to time. Um, my birth name is David. Oh. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, I started going by Finch full time when the, the first time I went to Burning Man in 2008 mm-hmm. and I was meeting all these, <clears throat> I was meeting really, really cool people with like incredible lives who had traveled all over the world. I hadn't traveled anywhere at that point. Um, artists and dancers and creatives and they all had these cool names that and i was like your (laughs) name is probably not flower or whatever like you know uh people had very unusual names so and yeah i just i kind of i was like well uh, uh, like this burning man this is a place where you really are free to embrace whoever you actually are whoever you want to be and i really felt that kind of like unlimited potential of the culture there. And I was in a super expansive part of my life and it was super helpful to just take on a different name, which I already had a available nickname to me, Finch to go by. And it was fun to meet brand new people and introduce myself by this name and, and be this new self, which wasn't a fake self. It was just like all embracing all of the parts of me that maybe I was too shy to reveal or just hanging back into a kind of more flat gray, socially acceptable kind of person, you know, and just to really be that extra self. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a common thing for people in our sort of like alternative community culture to, to have a different kind of name yeah and it gets made fun of a lot too because some people take it really seriously but um it's true or there's like the the person who changes their name every other year and you're like are you going by a b c or d now (laughs) or something new (laughs) i can't keep track with some people like yeah and i know friends who have changed their name at least four times and it's like okay come on But I don't know. Hey, do whatever you want. Totally. That's what it's all about. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I've had moments where I'm like, do I still resonate with Halo? I don't see myself at this point. I'm never going to say never because the only constant is change. But I don't see myself going back to my birth name. Like, I feel like I outgrew it. Okay, Mm. I'll share it with you. (laughs) (laughs) My birth name is Hallie. 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 That seems fitting for you, too. I could see Does it as a Hallie. See, I feel like it It really, for me, it feels like the little girl me. Mm. And now as a grown, I'm like, Hallie, it feels too young. I don't know. It's kind of like a cute name. Hallie. Hallie. Yeah. But you're very cute, so yeah. it's fitting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't want to be cute. <laughs> well, you're all of the things. So. Okay, I'm all the things. Yeah. J-Ma. But, yeah, I get it. It's uh, you want to step into like that more kind of like em- mm-hmm. embodied, powerful woman. Yeah, and aspect. Halo now it just—I mean, literally—I've been going. You know what? What was really wise and the timing of Halo is I moved to California. It was a new start, so almost nobody yeah. knows me as Hallie. <laughs> so I didn't have to go through this like awkward transition phase. And it's just I've—I'm Halo now. You know, when I go home and visit. My mother, my dad actually calls me Halo. Uh, he changed his name to, <laughs> to Willow. Uh-huh. Um, and 
yeah it's so weird when i hear my birth name it's like a double take kind of thing it just Uh, doesn't uh you know it's like an outfit i feel like i outgrew and this one i might someday as well who knows we'll Mm. see what happens well now i know how to catch you off guard (laughs) (laughs) i'll be like it's like nails on chalkboard kind Uh, of like (laughs) okay gotcha yeah (laughs) okay Anyway, anyway, well, let, let's get in, <laughs> into Tantra. So, Ooh. so in our first episode, we talked about traditional Tantra, which is something that you've studied for 10 years. Is that right? Was that, do I remember right? Yeah, about, yeah, totally. About 10 years. About as long as I've been Halo. Although, well, we'll get into this. Go ahead. Okay. Um, and so you've been on a serious path of study, well, or a sincere path of study with, and going deep with Tantra and, and studying from, from teachers and going to India and, and mm-hmm. doing really an immersive um, study process. And you have a daily practice that um, you're committed to. And so, yeah, it was really great to have you on to talk about what is what actually is Tantra mm-hmm. because so many people are interested in Tantra, I think, because they're interested in sexuality in expanding their sexuality and Mm -hmm. in in intimacy as well. And, and, um, something that offers a promise of more depth than maybe what Western culture provides. But a lot of what we get in the West that is labeled as Tantra is very kind of like, it's just the very first layer or not even, or it's, it's, it's a, new it's, agey. it's, it's a translation. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. It's a translation. It's a translation and maybe even a distortion in some, yeah, in some ways. Sometimes. Well. And, and the more, you know, here's what happens. The more, here's like the lineage, right? So like the lineage and then it start, you know, one person's like, okay, I'm going to translate it in this way. And then the next person translates in this way and then it pretty soon it gets so watered down that it's like it doesn't even you know yeah there's not much left that is tantra but there is a lot of kind i call it nouveau tantra that that does hold a lot of the principles of traditional tantra mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so but it, it was great to talk about the difference mm-hmm. and and to give people um really an in-depth kind of um discussion about the about tantra from someone who has actually studied studied it at length right Mm -hmm. and for for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode that's episode 12 it's called what was it called the tantric Tantric path Path. that's right yeah so today we're going to go even deeper and um but i wanted to talk about because a lot of the people who end up in the kind of nouveau tantra, which I think is the vast majority of what mm. people are going to find when they seek out tantra in the West, they're going to find nouveau tantra, which I like that that name for it. Uh, it's kind of like cheeky, yeah. Nouveau tantra. It's that's a good word. Let's for talk it. about nouveau hmm. tantra. You're like, ooh, what's that? <laughs> um, but yeah, usually it's just called tantra, right? But Anyway, most people will find themselves into a version of Nouveau Tantra, but the reason that they're coming to Tantra in the first place or seeking it out is, I think, a desire to to deepen into 
their sexual experience. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, well, a lot of people first heard about Tantra from Sting. Um, really? Yeah, this the <laughs> singer. Do you know this? No. The, 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 and he's been studying Tantra for, and I don't know, I don't really know much about him or what his practice or experiences, but mm. a long time ago, he talked about how he, um, yeah, he would have sex for like four hours and people are like, four hours? Like, how is that even possible? And, and yeah, he just kind of like introduced this idea of a deeper sexual experience. Mm -hmm. And I think most of the way that, that most people have sex is just like fast and hard and over quick. Right. And the like tantric lovemaking is like, it's generally, it's not that, well, I, you know, who knows? I don't know. But I, I imagine <laughs> he's not having sex like that for four hours that he, you know, when he's saying he's having sex for four hours, maybe he is having intercourse for four hours, but it could be, there's like a whole different kind of sexual experience that is the mm -hmm. tantric sexual experience. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I wanted to talk more about Tantra for couples and Tantra for lovers and uh, address what, what can the traditional Tantric path offer to people who are interested in seeking more from their sexual experience and mm -hmm. deepening into their into intimate connection and also not just like what is available additionally on the le level of physical pleasure and sexual experience but also spiritual experience yeah. and the kind of connection that you can have with yourself and with the other yeah beautiful that's a lot that's a lot um, I, I like to just like so, throw yeah, everything bam, and then here we go whatever you want to about address. to have a tantric explosion indeed um so first of all i i do want to say you know on that level of the spiritual even with nouveau tantra like you can't practice tantra at all if spirit isn't a part of it that's the whole point the mm -hmm. whole point is that uh we are using whatever action here's what's so beautiful about tantra and why the um our sexuality got you know in included in tantra or that nouveau tantra even exists is because tantra sanctifies every single part of being human right every part you know, you can take a tantric shit in the morning, you know, <laughs> if you do it with full consciousness and you allow it to be an opening of your muladhara root chakra, right? Mm -hmm. So every aspect gets to be included, but it needs to be sanctified. So one of the dangers, I'm just going to talk about this out the gate yeah. of Nouveau Tantra is that I see a lot of people using it as an excuse for misbehavior. Uh, mm -hmm. sexually um, they're either you know and I'm not going to say this for everyone if you're listening to this and you're really into nouveau tantra please don't think I'm calling you this or that or the other thing I'm not but I have seen this tendency a lot I've been in those worlds for some time I've had negative experiences uh, because of this but I see a lot of sex addicts get involved in nouveau tantra who use it as an excuse to justify their actions um, they never actually get to the next level and, and what actions are you speaking of specifically just like 
like using it to be overindulgent. Yeah. So when we go into Nouveau Tantra, what I see a lot, and you know, I'm a huge fan of lovemaking and backstory. Um, I didn't start studying traditional Tantra 10 years ago. I started studying Nouveau Tantra 10 years ago. And to my surprise, uh, this is a time when I had, you know, I was overflowing with sexual energy. I did not know what to do with it all. And um, I really wanted to explore it. But I also, and I think many of us who are drawn to this path, it's because, <clears throat> excuse me, it's because we've had uh, very spiritually expansive or intimate experiences of communion through sex, mm -hmm. right? We've touched something greater and sweeter and more profound, you know, through sex than we do through other actions in life, even potentially our yoga practice. And so um, that's what led me down this path. Now, the further I went, all of a sudden, I, you know, then I'm in India and I'm learning about traditional Tantra and it, it led me down the path of traditional Tantra and to deeper understanding. So one of the things that I think is the most important about Nouveau Tantra is that it can be a gateway into um, a much larger system. And so that's what I, you know, I just like to specify that that's you know, it's borrowed from Tantra and it's it's a translation of Tantra. So we can very easily, and I do this myself, we can very, very easily take uh, the philosophy of Tantra and apply it into our humanity, our sexual relationships, right? Shiva and Shakti, man and woman. Obviously, there can be different uh, variations in gender and orientation and whatnot within that. But there is in everything. We couldn't exist if there wasn't a masculine and feminine inside each and every one of us. Right. We mm -hmm. were created because masculine and feminine came together. Mm -hmm. um, so we can work with those principles specifically and with our sexual energy and the way our sexual energy flows and whatnot. So. What so, um, as I was mentioning, there can be some pitfalls. And I think the most important thing, especially when we're approaching the sexual aspects of Tantra, is that um, we really honor still the goal of Tantra, which is union. Mm -hmm. And it's not a union that's dependent on an outside force. <laughs> Right. It's a union. Ultimately, we would still use sex as like our yoga practice to bring ourselves. Now, yes, we can have this shared experience with another being, but ultimately we want both beings to melt into a unity. Right. And I think that's what we all crave. And that that's the basis for all of the desire in our lives is to become one again with source, with creation, with love, hmm. with universal energy, with universal consciousness. And our sexual energy um, is the beginning of that journey. That's that energy that the desire springs forth from is that sex, right? And so that energy, if you watch in daily life, it navigates so much about ourselves. You know, it's like I dress in a certain way because of my sexual energy, right? It, it, I create beauty because of my sexual energy. I've chosen my career based around my sexual energy. Like we make all these little subtle decisions that we're maybe not aware of 
but they're all based around our desire, around our sexual energy, about what, how we want to be met by the world, how we want to meet the world. Mm. The higher aspect of Tantra isn't limited to the bedroom, right? It's like ideally uh, we're in this love play with everything that is all the time through our breath, through our consciousness. When we're fully aware, fully embodied in any given moment, we can be in a state of ecstasy, right? It doesn't have to be a particular like mind shattering or body shattering orgasm. You know, it can be like this really subtle ecstasy. And when I do teach sexual arts, uh, I really teach, like you're saying that, like hard, fast sex thing that we see a lot in pornography and like whatnot. Um, That's very much on the gross level. Not gross as an ew, but depends. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Can be. Um, but but gross and subtle. And so when we're really going into tantric sex, working with energy, it's actually, I find, and this is just from my experience because I really can't teach from anything else, uh, that it's when we go into the more subtle that the ecstasy can expand even further. Right. If we're not fully in tune with how energy is expressing and moving through our own body, we can't have these more ecstatic experiences. Like if we're leaving ourselves, or we're, you know, um, like I don't know if you've ever made love to somebody and you can tell that all of a sudden they're somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and this is something that happens to a lot of people if they have sexual trauma, they'll like, even if they're in a consensual experience, they'll leave the body, they'll leave their mm. presence. And it's it's about bringing that full presence into the act, fully experiencing the self. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what sex does, why we like sex so much is because we get to fully experience ourselves. It's somewhat selfish mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way. Yeah, we get to experience this other person, but it's a mirror. It's a mirror. And through that other person, we get to experience this part of ourself that we don't get to experience in other ways. Mm-hmm. So um, that for me is it. And yes, we're feeling into another person. I'll talk more about that as well. But we're in charge of our own experience. We're the ones who are, um, ex- again, that expansion mm-hmm. is experienced in us alone, mm-hmm. regardless of being with another being. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to touch again on something I talked about last week, which is the definition of Tantra. And the first part of Tantra, Tan, uh, refers to expansion, right? So this is expansion of consciousness, expansion of energy. This is one of the reasons we can use sexual energy uh to achieve a spiritual state of expansion it does it can expand our consciousness if used correctly it can expand the energy in our body the energy of awakening specifically kundalini shakti in our bodies right the next part of the word tantra tra uh, refers to liberation so if we're not using our sex, our sexual energy for liberation, if we're using it for gratification, for example, solely for sexual gratification, we're missing the mark. It can't be Tantra. Can't mm. be. If it doesn't involve. Or escape. Yeah, escape. Totally. Mm. Or, or, you know, we, we come into this life, I think, you know, and there's this, the, the initial wound is of separation. Right. As soon as we're born, separation. We're now separate from source. 
and we spend the rest of our lives trying to like find our way back and thinking maybe this person will be that for me or maybe this thing or maybe when I have a million dollars, I'll feel that connection again. Hmm. It all stems from the wound though, all of our desire. The ultimate desire is that union with the beloved, not a beloved, the beloved, right? Mm-hmm. Spirit, pure consciousness, source, whatever you want to call it, God, Allah, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> but that's what our souls are yearning for. So, and, and and even if somebody maybe doesn't think about it in that terms, just that that feeling of connection, connection, yeah, communion. like feeling like lo- love Wholeness. and connection and um, safety and yeah, mm-hmm. all all of those things that come come along with it. But not reliant on an outside force. So here's the tricky thing. Here's the sticky thing about Western Tantra. You know, when we come together with another, the danger is that all of a sudden now I'm reliant on you to get this experience, to have that level of communion, Mm -hmm. right? This is where the liberation part comes in. If I'm not using that energy to liberate myself, you know, from whatever, you know, we we have that experience in sex where, uh, or we can, where there is a liberation, where all of a sudden we're so expanded and it's like, you know, parts of ourself will start to express that, you know, we would never do in a crowded space or, or you know, we're taken over. We become a whole being for a moment, mm. you know, but the danger is that sometimes this is happening with another being. Now that's beautiful and it can't, you know, we can't rely on something outside of us necessarily. Now, Tantra uses everything as a mirror. Everything is an energy that we can then use, but it's our own separate journey. So when, uh, again, that, that hole, that desire, that original wound of separation, um, what I see happen is many people will come into the, the sexual Tantra, nouveau tantric path, and they're really just trying to fill that hole. They're really just trying to like, uh, appease the wound mm-hmm. right and so they start like swallowing sexual experiences up you know all kinds of them and as many of them as possible and this and and they miss the mark you know they're still not satiated it's like there should after a really uh thorough sexual encounter there's there there can be a level of satiation where it's like okay and now i'm resting in this like higher vibration of self mm. Right. And I get to share that. It's about sharing that with another being. You know, I'll bring um, the one of the Tantra schools I studied at talked about uh, incubus and succubi. Right. Or yeah. Incubi and succubus. Sorry, I'm forgetting the names. Either way, this kind of like parasitic energy. Right. Sexual energy. And just describe what that is for people who don't know. Yeah. So it's. I mean, parasitic energy is how I, it's like kind of this energy of like you're taking something from somebody. They, they can be seen as f- separate entities, male and female, that can come in and take. Um, but they're specifically sexual. It's like a sexual Specifically parasitic. sexual parasitic. Yeah. 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 Um, that draws energy. That out draws of you energy. Through, and so, through sexuality. Right. And so when we're learning how to have um, tantric lovemaking, we're... <laughs> slaying those demons that have us wanting to take from an un- another mm. or to like throw all of ourselves even into another and abandon ourselves right mm. so um we're learning how to be whole beings 
if we're whole, if I'm whole, I don't have holes <laughs> that incubus and succubi can leach into and start drawing energy. Now, I also want to be conscious uh, of my beloved. I don't want to drain my beloved's energy, right? And if I'm trying to fill a hole in myself, I'm naturally going to be draining other people's energy. You literally become like a sexual leech. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to be straight up about it because I see a lot of this. And oh, it's, totally. not, it's so missing the mark. And to use... I'm going to get passionate for a minute to use the term Tantra, which means something so vast, expansive, powerful, even when used in sex, especially when used in sex, I'll even say, uh, in a parasitic manner is really it's it's caused a lot of detriment to Tantra, where it's become almost a bad word in its home country. You mm. know, you talk about Tantra and they're automatically like, oh, you know, and it's it's rippled it's, back to India. Oh, god yeah hmm. in a big way because and of the because way now because they have a lot of it. confusion around sexuality and you know they've lost sight of what true tantra is meanwhile it's taking as a broader place, culture yeah meanwhile it's taking place in all their temples every single day through the pujas and rituals and ceremonies to the deities and whatnot so i'm you know by all means i do think that we should use tantric principles in our sexual experiences and sexuality but to then abuse that is very dangerous and so that's what i'm talking about here is that we really uh bring a lot of distortion and the positive thing is that we can use it to heal so like if i come at the tantric path from a place of addiction or abuse or distortion Ideally, I can heal that. But what I see a lot of people do is they just get trapped in it and it becomes all about this. And, you know, we can deplete our sexual energy even, you know, if we're having too, there is such a thing as too much sex. <laughs> just going to say it, mm -hmm. especially if we're not using practices to retain our energy um, or use our energy wisely or you, you know, have a heart connection so there can be an actual circuit of the energy. This is another piece is that when we're approaching sexuality specifically from the loins, um, we, you know, the energy is not actually circulating and it's not moving up into higher centers. So we're not having those experiences of communion in which we need the heart to be involved. Um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just a lot of awareness you know when we are going in the sexuality has become so incredibly distorted mm. you know that root wound i'm talking about that wound of separation one of the uh, aspects of that core wound really shows up in our sexuality i would say that that the human sexual sexual experience has become one of the greatest wounds on the planet as an expression of that initial one I talked about, the wound of separation. And so we're all trying to figure that one out. You know, it's it's like the largest urge in all of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. It's why we even exist in the first place. And now we've had religions and society and like this and that and parents and blah, 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 telling us that it's shameful and you know, it's like in one ear, we're hearing that it's shameful. In another, we're like seeing images of women in lewd costumes and, you know, pornography. And so it's like it creates all this freaking confusion. Mm -hmm. 
And so again, one of the gifts of Nouveau Tantra is that ideally we're not bringing then those distortions into it. We're actually let, getting them out of it so we can come back to our sexual innocence. I like to call it our erotic innocence because that nature, uh, the sexual energy by nature is pure and innocent and beautiful and mm. playful and a force of liberation. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that uh, we, we certainly do have a big wound around sexuality. And I think particularly strong in American culture, maybe across the world. Across certainly. the world. Certainly. Everywhere. But <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I notice that when I go traveling and I'm out of the United States for a while and then I come back, well, first off, when I go out, I notice that uh, men are far less sexually aggressive and less kind of like caught up in this sort of sexual momentum. They're less driven by it or sort of obsessive or compulsively driven by it. And I also notice that women are women are less defensive and shielded like I'm so used to walking around in the United States and women won't, they don't make eye contact with me that they're very in this like shielded protective mode when they're in public. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they still might kind of even women that dress provocatively that they obviously like, and I, I don't mean just that they, I mean, they're actually dressing very sexually provocatively, especially at night, like going out to the clubs or something like that. Some women wear like very revealing clothing. Right, right. now to me, and there's this whole thing of like, you know, women should be able to dress how they want to and not be harassed. I completely agree. They should. But to me, that sends me a message that like, I mean, when they're dressing that provocatively, um, they're, to me, that's an invitation. Like they're, they want attention. Now, I don't know, may, maybe that's like a terrible well, me, thing for me, me to say. Let me tell you from a lady <laughs> side of things. Okay. Cause I've been that girl. Well, I still well, like me, to dance. Sexy. Let me, yes. Let, but let me just finish my okay. thought as uh, I'm saying, like now I'm blushing. Cause I'm like, Oh, people are going to hear this wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're inviting improper attention, but I'm just saying like, for me, there's a bit of confusion for me as a man because, um, like they're, they're showing off their bodies they're showing off their breasts. Uh, okay, great. And I understand that that's not an invitation for me to harass them or anything like that, but the, um, by presenting themselves in public, they're attracting my attention, mm -hmm. certainly. And mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's fine, right? And like, I don't, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, people being attracted to each other and, and people looking at each other. I think that's fine. I don't think I'm, I don't believe in harassment by um, looking at somebody or bringing my attention to them. Now, if I'm staring at a woman and I'm making faces and I'm licking my lips and being super <laughs> gross, creepy. that's yeah, being creepy. That's totally different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's I don't believe in like eye assault necessarily or just just if I if I'm attracted to a woman and I'm I'm looking at her. I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with that mm -hmm. now. 
But I also notice that, and I'm coming back around to what I was saying before, I notice that um, still even women who are dressed the most provocatively, I need to drink a little water. Even women that are dressed the most provocatively, they still have this like very defensive shield, right? And especially in kind of like bar and club scene, right? Mm -hmm. Where like, I don't know, like people are there, like they want to connect with each other, but in this very specific way and they're, and, um, and it's just, I don't know. It's very, very odd and very confusing to me to like receive all of these kind of invitations and at the same time rejections of my attention mm -hmm. simultaneously. It's yeah. difficult to navigate. Um, and I'm not saying like, like, oh, boohoo for men or anything <laughs> like that. I'm not kind of like creating any kind of equivalency. I'm just saying. Yeah. But I noticed that this is totally different in other countries that... Um, like women are way less defensive to even just uh, making eye contact or just like a friendly hello, you know, just a, an acknowledgement of each other um, or just um, like there's an assumption, I think, in this country. I notice that like if I if I just like talk to a woman, there's an assumption that it's like initiating a sexual encounter. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not, mm -hmm. even if it's just, um, yeah. like I don't, I actually don't feel like I want to casually engage women in public because of this defensive wall. Like I'm like, you know, like if, and, and I can feel when a woman is more relaxed in herself and she's just there and she's not afraid and, and. And, and, you know, I feel like I can talk to her and um, maybe I am interested in her. Maybe I'm not, but I can just sort of it's it's more it's more socially relaxed. Right. So I noticed that in other countries that it's a lot easier to talk to people and it's easier for people to talk to each other. And there isn't this weight of like sexual aggression and. I think we are an incredibly sexually aggressive culture. I think we're incredibly sexually repressed and all, all of distorted. these things that I'm talking about. Not so, not so repressed, more distorted, I would say. Really? It's based on media and like, yeah. Hmm. But I mean, there is repression, uh, but I, we have I a see it very as like a religious sexual, style. we have Re a very sexual culture compared to a lot of yeah. sex obsessed, I guess I would say. <laughs> But yeah, definitely. I mean, well, yeah, I say repression, just thinking of like religion and just, mm -hmm. just sort of like puritanical values yeah. that this country was founded on. Yeah, and, um, totally. Even more so than like European, um, like there's this like American puritanism, if totally. that's a word, puritanical mm -hmm. view that has kind of like risen up here, which is unique. And, yeah. uh, but any, but anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is such a ginormous can of worms. I all know. Of, all of that. Because then we go into masculine, feminine dynamics. And that's like, you know, and that's one of the beautiful things about Tantra as well. Because we're, we're working on alchemizing our, our own masculine and feminine. And the world is our mirror to show us what's going on. So uh, the first thing I want to say is... Um, 
in my experiences of traveling as a woman, there are a lot of countries that I've felt like more uh, vulnerable sexually than here. Um, Central and South America, India for sure. Um, so it's not just, it's different everywhere. It's different. Mm. Um, and I do think that there are some cultures that it's way less aggressive, you know, like I think in a lot of places in Asia, yeah, in a lot of places in Asia, it's a, it's a softer feminine, more feminine culture in general. And so the feminine is a little bit like more safe and at ease because even the men are more, it's just a more feminine culture all around. Mm. Uh, India is in this weird middle point where it's like kind of a feminine culture, but there's so much distortion. And like India, you know, unlike Central and South America, where even as a man, you might get mugged at gunpoint kind of thing. In India, if you're a man, you're safe. You can go anywhere in India. You're like good to go as a woman. And men don't attack. No, no, they're not violent. Indians Mm. are not violent Mm -hmm. unless it comes to sex. Because they're so messed up in the head around it. Sorry if any of you are Indian listening to this. I know I have in- people well, you're who just are speaking to your Indian who follow me. There's so much confusion because here is a culture that stuff like Tantra and the Kama Sutra and you go to the temples and there are these sexy carvings all over. They used to have this liberation around sexuality. And then the moguls come in and like put some reins on it. And then the British, it's more the British's fault than anyone came in and like really confused them and said like the temple dancing was disgusting and banned that and this and the other thing. And now they're just like, you know, they don't know what to think. They think Tantra is like what the West has turned it into and not what they created themselves like thousands of years ago, this ancient profound system of awakening. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's in India more than anywhere else I've ever traveled. I feel like I have to watch my back because they can't handle themselves. They can't handle themselves. I was walking across a crowded bridge and a guy, I don't even, I'm not well endowed (laughs) in my chest. And a man grabbed my boob. He didn't just grab my boob. He grabbed it and twisted in the middle of a crowded bridge. And I was just like, I was shocked. You know, I was just like, did that really just happen? Like, no way. And it's just like they literally can't help themselves. It's like they there's this animal instinct because, I mean, talk about repression, like super repressed. Like men and women can't touch in public. That's starting to change as they modernize. But like, yeah, it's... Um, it's an interesting it's an interesting world and I you know here's the the power of tantra and using tantra to navigate this huge rift between the masculine and feminine I think is crucial because this is the rift on the planet this is the battle of nature and civilization of you know like mm. all the opposites are are kind of like grating up against each other right now so exactly the the experiences that you were you're speaking of with like okay so here's this woman she's wearing this like really sexy outfit it's clear she wants to be noticed but then there's also this like you know like kind of veil or, or fortress around her at the mm-hmm. same time i can speak i've been that woman you know and so i want to speak from that first of all there is a lack of education or 
curiosity or understanding around the fundamental differences between male and female sexuality. And female sexuality, this is all in my opinion, by the way, my Mm -hmm. observation, my opinion based on observation, um, that, you know, women's sexuality has been defined by what uh, has is starting to be called or has been called the male gaze. Right. And so the female sexual response uh, specifically is being completely bypassed, like you won't find it in porn. Maybe some porn by my women. There's like some more conscious pornography coming out. Um, but mostly it is like you were talking the hard and fast. Like the man walks in the door. He's got a cock that's like the size of Texas. And he rips this tiny little thing's pants off and starts pounding away. Like that would be like murder for most women. Like you cannot do that. That would cause us significant harm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're like warmed up, I'm hoping, before they like shoot the scene. I don't know what they do for foreplay. But um, anyway, so also the dress, the dress of women, you know, augmenting our body with fake boobs and these different things. This is to adjust to the male gaze. This is what we think is desirable based on what we think men want. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is an entire, I love dressing sexy, you know, it's like there's something fun about that. There's something fun about that play. But at the same time, there is unfortunately a predator prey relationship that happens. And if I go out like that, I'm going to feel a lot safer if I'm with my friends and I'm going to be trying to attract the right guy, not just any guy. Now, what the woman doesn't know, I think, what many women don't understand because You know, we really can only deeply understand our own experience. And men and women's sexuality are so different, right? So different. We don't understand the way that male sexuality works. We don't actually understand what we're doing to the men around us when we dress like that, Mm -hmm. right? We're innocent. We're like, I'm looking for like the one or not. I mean, not every woman is good. You know, don't get offended. Not every woman's (laughs) looking for the one. But there is this kind of like, who's my guy tonight, you know, or whatever. And um, it's just a different thing. Just speaking for myself, I've always had tunnel vision. If I like get really into a person, I'm like, there's no other man that exists in the entire world right now. Whereas for many men, it's like, you know, you can be madly in love with your woman and you're still going to notice that like beautiful (laughs) expression of femininity that just walked by. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the radar is different. There's not the same like blinder system. This is based on biology. Mm -hmm. You know, as a woman, we're looking for a provider protector. We're looking for the guy that if he impregnates us, because guess what sex leads to? uh, Ideally, according to biology, procreation. So a woman is going to be very vulnerable if she's just had a child. She's going to need a man who's going to show up and take care of her and protect her and provide for her, right? Mm -hmm. She's going to have way better chances if she locks in one than if she relies on the many. Especially like over historical time. That's what I'm talking about, like biology. But we're still run by this. Mm -hmm. We're still run by this. So that's female biology. Meanwhile, fun by design, opposite we go over to the masculine biology, which is to spread the seed, to procreate, to like spread the genetics, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
they're, you know, checking out and, and a woman's physique is going to tell about how well she's going to be able to like carry forward strong genes and whatnot. So there's this kind of like trying on of the different women and like, uh, I don't mean that literally. Some men do do it literally. Um, but yeah. And so there's just this, and, and again, I'm speaking masculine, feminine. I'm not speaking gender here because, uh, yeah, it's You're not really about biological ge- bodies. I'm talking about biological bodies, but I'm also talking about, you know, because there are some men who have that more feminine tendency or women who have the more masculine tendency. But generally, biologically, if you're in a female body, you're going to be kind of looking for a more. Here's a good example. Um, I find this is, again, based on observation, uh, a lot of friends of mine who are um, in the gay community who are lesbians they tend to like find a partner and then like kind of stick it out for the most part. Now, this isn't 100%. Again, nothing I'm saying is absolute. I'm really generalizing just so we can see this larger picture. While in the gay community, I see a lot of like boisterous playfulness, like dating and, you know, it's just, it's kind of the extreme effect of what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So none of this is black and white. I hope I don't get beaten at the stake for talking about this. I know it's sensitive topics, but yeah. Um, but I just want to show that polarity. So when we're trying to like go into the dating world and we're not understanding how each other operates, there can be a lot of confusion and it's so deep right now on planet earth, like all of this stuff, this kind of disparity. And for a long time, you know, it's been like the female voice and, and, expression hasn't really been fully allowed like I'm talking about uh in in tantric lovemaking it's like we're gonna slow things way down to begin with because again we got we have to get in touch with that subtlety Mm -hmm. you know and while the male sexual response can be very quick to act you know it's like there's this I want a result now it can be very like goal oriented that's the masculine it's like You know, so we want to bring some more feminine into that, like not trying to just go for orgasm, right? On the feminine side, we want to, uh, well, first of all, I think a lot of the healing comes with um, both both genders, both orientations um, starting to honor more the female way because it, it just hasn't been. It hasn't for a long time now. Um, and the female sexual response is very different than the male. It's opposite. So the male sexual response tends to start from the inside outward, right? So the first sign of a male being aroused is what? Erection. Ding! Right <laughs> out the gate, right? And what's the first thing that the man wants to happen with that erection? Put it inside of her. Get, yeah, right? Mouth, hand, you know, I don't care. Just give me something, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then after, after lovemaking, a man wants to be touched and all of a sudden his whole body is very present in the experience, and right? So he's gone from a yang space. He goes from like charged to calm. Right, charged to calm. But then in that calm space, you can feel like the whole body and it's like, huh, right? Mm. Female is exactly opposite. We're exactly opposite. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's like, okay, like 
did he, you know, how did he treat me this morning when we woke up in bed together? You know, did he whisper sweet some things or did he just like bolt and go to work without like kissing me goodbye? You know, already like, mm. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a little more complex for us. Like, what does the space feel like that we're about to be making love in? Like, does he touch my neck first? Is he looking into my eyes? Like we need it to move from out here and then we start getting wet and then we're ready to receive the masculine. But what's happened is that we're all taught right now and it's not men's fault it's not it's society has geared everything around the masculine sexual response so frequently you know and this is something I do in the work that I do with women is retraining because even we are like allowing ourselves to be entered before we're ready which results in all kinds of problems uh in our in our yonis fancy word for vagina sanskrit word for vagina um in our relationship, you know, feeling safe in our body because our, our body registers that as a violation, whether it's consensual or not, if we're allowing ourselves to be entered before we're ready. So the goal of tantric lovemaking is to equalize, to be curious, like, oh, you know, just like you were talking about simple thing, but that woman who's dressing, you know, very sexy and you're feeling like you're like, well, that seems like an invitation, but then the energy is a complete no. Like, how do we start to humble ourselves and get to know each other and be fascinated rather than, you know, I spent a lot of my younger years like making mistakes sexually and this because I just didn't understand how men operated, mm. you know? And now that I understand, I'm like, oh, you know? And there's a part of me I do, I do think women should be able to express their sexuality and have it be safe. I do think, and I also think it should be safe for men to appreciate as long as they're not, you know, in violation, as long as they're not, you know, the problem is that men will just make an assumption that like, oh, she's like clearly wide open and I'm just going to treat her however I want, grab her, whatever. As long as there's a respect, like a reverence, like, wow, (laughs) look at that woman. You know, the whole woman, not just like, wow, look at them tits mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like both, both can be allowed, the woman's sexual expression and the man's reverence. But the problem is that they've both been distorted. So this is about us coming back to, uh, to center, mm-hmm. to like what is, you know, is that woman dressing that way because she saw it in a magazine and that's what's sexy? Or is she dressing that because that actually represents her unique feminine sexual essence. And she's wanting to share with the world her beauty, mm-hmm. her fullness, right? Yeah. Or is she like, this is how society tells me I should dress to attract the masculine. And right? to have value. And to have value. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then on the other side, it's like, you know, like you're sharing from the men's side. It's like this really confusing thing you know on both sides it's confusing so when we start to step into the tantric path we want to alchemize these different pieces and i personally believe that the the beginning of that is slowing everything way 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 down slowing everything way 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 down staying in yourself so you see that woman walk by don't lose yourself 
sorry <laughs> don't like you know because that's what don't happens give yourself don't over. get like oh yeah, it's yeah. like, what happens if I stay here and I observe myself observing this woman? Mm -hmm. That's going to feel very different to that woman. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to, you know, because there is something scary about being a woman, you know, myself included. I'm like a freaking hundred pound five two woman. You know, I walk into a club and all of a sudden it's like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's scary. It's sure. scary. That's why we have that force field. Mm -hmm. But what happens if the man stays inside of himself? is able to observe himself this this mean this is through the whole act of lovemaking from erection you know as soon as that erection comes there's this desire to be like mm! it's like okay wait, whoa look at that okay like i'm gonna stay here oh i feel the erection oh, i feel the desire cool like that's there mm -hmm. take some breaths breathe it in breathe in the essence of that woman and let that energy build without that that Without like the need the for need a act goal. As soon as there's a goal, other than obviously liberation. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Keeping our highest goal. But our highest goal wants us to act consciously. What happens literally with sexual energy is that our animal brain turns on mm -hmm. and our reasoning brain tends to turn off. <laughs> this is why frequently we're like, I can't believe I made that same mistake again. <laughs> I'm speaking from experience. I'm like, in my early 20s, I was like, why do I keep doing this? But then I'd get into that position again. It's like one, it literally would feel like my brain would split in two. And one was like, are you being wise? Is this smart? And the other one would be like, ah, fuck it. Like, here we go. <laughs> I hope this turns out okay. Um, so, so we want to practice, again, slowing things down, not just going with that initial impulse. The goal in, in tantric lovemaking or in a tantric relationship to sexuality is that we don't want to be the slaves of our sexuality. And so many of us, most human beings, complete slaves. Mm -hmm. We're suckers. We just, you know, whatever we're we're <laughs> constantly driven by our sexual impulses and they make the, the they call the shots and it causes a lot of trauma mm. um because we're not cavemen and cave women anymore back then i think it was fine it was just like you know man grab woman take to cave impregnate <laughs> you know whatever um but nowadays it's like we're looking for a deeper experience than just genital stimulation we're looking to have a heart connection with another being we're looking to have an intellectual connection with another being we're looking to be fed on all these different levels and we want to become the masters of our sexuality mm -hmm. right i think of um specifically uh the goddess durga who it's her uh holy festival right now G durga is a warrior goddess in the hindu pantheon and she's seen riding on top of a tiger she's in red which is a color that symbolizes the sexual energy she has all these weapons right so she's like this fierce fiery uh goddess and she's riding on top of a tiger and she really comes to mind when I think of mastering our sexuality. Like, how do we make our sexuality work for us? You know, how do we take this great force? It's huge. Like I said, that force of desire that has you like kind of lose yourself. And women do it too. I'm sorry if I'm just spoke speaking on the man side. We also lose ourselves in 
men and that desire for um for sex and that desire to be held and for that provider protector energy in our lives right we'll go into like a pleasing frenzy and try on all kinds of different costumes and be like is this one gonna keep him around is this one gonna keep him around you know Hmm. but it's not coming from a centered place right so we want to get back into that place where it's like okay i feel i feel the impulse And am I going to act on it or not? Or am I going to like slow it down? Am I going to keep my whole being in the same line with that impulse so that my whole self is going into this experience? Whether it's as simple as observing a beautiful woman or as deep as making profound love to a beautiful woman or man, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't even know where to go from there. Um, (laughs) well, I think, yeah, I really don't. Um, I guess, uh, I don't know. Help me out here. (laughs) Well, we could, we could talk about how we go about then engaging sexually from that place, Mm -hmm. like on a more practical level. Sure. Um, One thing that I've noticed just in my own personal experiences and especially in talking about like slowing down and um, seeking. I I had a point in time where I realized that what I was seeking from my sexual experiences was intimacy, that I wasn't Mm -hmm. that what I was seeking through sex was actually intimacy. It wasn't the sex that I wanted. It was that that more it was the the experience of connection and i think that you know a lot of people maybe are operating on the gross level right the mm-hmm. the kind of more obvious sexual expression level and uh maybe have never explored the subtle aspects of sexuality and intimacy maybe have had no desire to do so but i think that we are all seeking connection ultimately and because i mean you know if you're just gonna bang your bodies together i mean it's kind of like a consensual masturbation on each other it's a limited experience yeah like you're just really limited to the genitals and the physical pleasure and the false promise that there's going to be some kind of escape or feeling of gratification that Mm -hmm. is going to fill that void that so many people feel inside right and it's not just um sexuality that people use as an escape obviously there's i think there's a huge problem in our culture in general that um people people are feeling lack inside and a feeling of emptiness inside that they're trying to fill from the external through food through sex Mm -hmm. through tv through so many different things they're trying to escape they're trying to escape their pain and they you know perhaps are uh, embracing paths of pleasure to try to escape that pain but it never works and maybe we have momentary uh, a momentary respite from that pain but it always returns because we're seeking that from the external rather than um, driving it from within right so i think yes there that and we've kind of applied this sort of um 
Western hedonism, pleasure seeking to sexuality, and then therefore Tantra as it enters the Western culture, right? Um, but yeah, in talking about slowing down and seeking that connection, like um, in in my personal experience, I've I, I think men often do get the reputation for like moving too fast they're the ones that are moving too fast but like you said that there's it's all on the woman's side too right and um i've noticed that especially with like new partners um uh there's a point in the sexual experience or the deepening intimacy where i'll i'll feel her like close up like uh, either emotionally mm-hmm. or even physically, like sexually, sometimes like, yeah, in the middle of the sexual experience. And, and there's a there's a deepening that can happen. I mean, sex can be very intimate. It also can be very non-intimate. It can, you know, it can just, it can be a total checkout escape experience. And it right? tends to not actually feel that good yeah. when we do that. You right. know, especially I can't speak from the male side, but from a female side, because we actually take on another being's en- energy and mm-hmm. like to then have it just be so shallow, it's like it just adds debris and it does not help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um I've had I've had several experiences of like uh having a sexual experience with a like a deeper connection and a deeper intimacy that and you know eye contact and like moving slowly right but i've encountered like i've had things come up for women in that experience of like dropping into a deeper state of vulnerability because it is really vulnerable Mm -hmm. like i think we all want that sense of connection but it can be scary especially if we've had our hearts broken, especially if like for, for women too, if they've been pounded too hard, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. and yeah, they've had, they've had sex before they were ready. Like either like they didn't want to have sex with that man, but they went along with it or they did want to have sex with them, but they needed to warm up more, but they went along with it. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I think that, um, that's an important thing to talk about too, just that the vulnerability is scary for a lot of people and we all do want connection, but there's, Oh, people try, there's this kind of game of like, well, how can I, you know, how can I be more connected, but still feel safe? Right. And there's this kind of, you have to have trust with the other person too. Like, okay, well, if I'm going to open up to you, are you not going to hurt me? You know, I'm going to or abandon or, yeah, reject or, or cheat or, on me. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. I, I'm very careful personally with my personal intimate connections. Um, I like to take my time in getting to know somebody before we have sex. I like to get to know them before. Like I move super, super slow because I like to go super deep in my connections. And I, I've learned that I have to see if this person is capable of like going to the depth that I want to go to. Mm-hmm. So instead of just like diving straight in, 
because I've done that before too. Like, wow, there's so much, this is such a potent connection. Right. Like let's explore this to the deepest depths that we can. Right. And we'll go into it. And, um, and this like huge fear block will come up for her and get triggered. And, um, sometimes she will freak out and, and she'll push me away really hard. Right. So like, I want to go really deep in my connections. And so I, I personally take my time in getting to know this person and deepen that intimacy slowly. And, be, you know, because I think it takes courage to be vulnerable. It takes courage to be intimate. And um, when you're relating with someone in a really deep way, they're going to reflect mm -hmm. aspects of yourself back to you. And you're going to like there. I think that there's there's a level of depth ultimately that we're afraid of within ourselves or that we can be. And that comes up more often in an intimate romantic connection for most of us than, you know, for most of us, that is the kind of like deepest experience we have of ourselves. Certainly in this culture is our romantic partnership and like, yeah. You know, like once you get past that honeymoon phase, like you start to not only get to know that real person, but you get to know yourself too. And sometimes, um, yeah, like the, the, the parts that we might not like about ourselves start to come up and start to come into our relationship and the things that we're not aware of start to come up. So, um, yeah, I guess just speaking personally again, just like I, I like to take my time in, in getting in getting to see like, OK, well, does this person have the willingness to like go there? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think like there's various levels of intimacy with self and other that we're all ready for. And we kind of we we go to that level some people just they're like super scared of themselves and they just skate along the surface and yeah. they're just trying to escape their pain yeah. all the time whatever they can do to escape their pain not realizing that that never really works no and mm. you know it's i like to talk about it a lot but i think um the yeah pain exists we all feel pain doesn't matter who you are what race you are what gender you are what country you're from uh, we all experience pain and suffering and I think the only way through that is like you can't ever run from it it never works and you have to you have to go into that and um, and through it and yeah. deepen into it and get to know it like develop an intimate connection with your pain and um, learn from it and listen to it and see what it has to, to speak to you. And that is fucking hard. It can be, uh, especially for pretty much all of us in this culture that, you know, haven't, we've been taught the complete opposite. Yeah. But I kind of went way off in another direction, but yeah, coming back to Tantra, I mean, that's, that's what I see spiritual paths like that's that's the ultimate that's what they're about is mm -hmm. um or what they should be about and is not about worshiping the external or or anything external but it's like 
guiding us back into ourselves and and relating with the other through like a tantric sexual connection especially if like that's your intention is to um, experience each other and ourselves together and to like seek that Mm -hmm. unity within ourselves and together yeah it's a it's a it's a trinity right so um I think that you're absolutely correct. I personally believe that every single human being on planet Earth is craving that level of intimacy. And I think that that fear of opening, again, stems from what I was speaking of earlier, that core wound of separation, right? Whether you believe in, you know, source, creator, God, whatever, Shiva, um, or not, there is the separation at least on a very physical level uh, from the mother, from the womb, right? You're held in this like warm space where like all the nurturance just goes straight to you and all of a sudden you're out and there's, you know, it's like this whole crazy world and, you know, mom is there sometimes and then sometimes she has to go and use the toilet or something, you know, and it's like, wait. Um, so... There's that wound and there's, I, I think we all have a fear, you know, it's like when any of us, you know, whenever life and especially like the death of a loved one will drop us straight into that because all of a sudden we recognize like what this realm is that we've incarnated in. Mm-hmm. We are all going to die. We all have this insane amount of pain within us. All of us. I don't care if you're like in Syria and have lost every family member to war or if you're super privileged living in Hollywood. We all have this same. I mean, okay, it's very different. I'm not again. No, but really. We all have this level of intense, excruciating, annihilating pain within us. All of us. Mm -hmm. All of us. It'd be nice if we talked about that more so people would <laughs> feel like, what's wrong with me? I'm showing on Instagram that I'm perfect, but I'm fucking falling apart. <laughs> and and so, a lot of people in particular that, you know, like the, they're the privileged class of society. Sometimes they're told struggle that they're, the most. Yeah. And feel guilty about it too. They're right. Like, because like, it's, it creates oh, a like split. Why, why do, what do I have to complain about? You know, yeah. and, I mean, complaining doesn't really help, but like. Yeah, we. I think that is important to address. We all have suffering. Just because you have all of, you know, maybe you're a billionaire. Maybe you have all of the material resources in the world. Well, guess what? It actually, that doesn't really... Doesn't matter worth that shit. Can't, that can't buy you any release of, of no, true it's, suffering. No, it's filling a hole. When you die, do you get, does that money count at all? Do you get that in your next life even? Nope. Mm gone so what did that matter there was a there's a study that showed that um material resources do contribute to happiness i mean it's very difficult to be happy if you're completely impoverished you know like if you don't have your basic survival needs met uh it's it's difficult it's and you know there's a thing called maslow's hierarchy of needs basically like um there's this hierarchy of uh 
leading from basically survival needs into self-realization at the top. Mm -hmm. And in order to move up the hierarchy, totally. you have to have yeah. the lower ones met, right? It's true because it's hard to spend time when you're in survival mode on yeah. spiritual pursuits. Like you you're can't. not going to like meditate every night. You're going to be like figuring out I how, need to to feed feed myself. how to feed your children or yourself. Or so, um, but this, this study showed that, um, that yeah, be, beyond survival needs, that uh, there there's a certain level of comfort that does contribute to happiness, and at least based on um, United States income, that uh, your happiness doesn't increase beyond seventy five thousand dollars per year. That uh, your happiness is going to be about the same if you make seventy five thousand a year as if you make five hundred thousand or two million a year. Yeah, that would make and sense. Some people think like, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, you know, if I had two million a year, I would be way happier because you can do all, so much more stuff. But like, but you, you know, only have so much time, and you only like there's only so much stuff you can do or have or. Yeah, you know? and and if you're constantly seeking, seeking, seeking from the external, and you're like, oh, let me go on this trip, let me go here, oh, like, yeah, look at me on Instagram with all this cool shit i'm doing but but that but same hole you still is, feel that sense of lack there within. so seventy five thousand dollars can buy you a certain amount of comfort necessary like that gets you to a certain level on the hierarchy but for, you need to take it from there mm -hmm. and it's up to you to but like i would even farther. say i want to counter that with sometimes the more privilege the more opportunity that we have Mm -hmm. The more freaking lost we feel and the more we feel like sure. I see so many friends who like they're super privileged and they're just like they don't know they have too much their ass from their elbow to some degree. And it's yeah. like meanwhile, I've met people in India who it's like they do the same darn thing every single day because that's the family they were born into and they live super simple lives and they're so happy. Mm. And it's like, to some degree, they're just like, this is what I'm doing. They're so content with what is. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we have all these options. And we're so not content with what is because it could be better. You know, I'm like, I could be more. I could have more. You know, it's that mm. again. And, you know, there's really, I don't think one's better than the other. I don't think East is better than West. I don't think, you know, ultimately we want to, again, alchemize. It's like, can there be a middle ground? Like, okay, this is this way, that's that way. Like, what's in between that? Mm -hmm. You know, what's in between that? And um, speaking again into, I want to go back to the Tantra piece about the relationships. Like, what does actually matter in life? And I think this is like the, the smack in the face that people get when a loved one passes away is that our relationships are really one of the most important things. And there are three primary relationships we have in life. The first one, guess. To the self. To ourself. Mm -hmm. To ourself. And this is the base. This is the root of all of our other relationships. If we don't have a good relationship to self, we can't have a good relationship to other. And I always say, even with sexual tantra, you know, we have to do solo cultivation before we start doing dual cultivation. Mm -hmm. I really recommend it. You have to get to know your own energy. You have to do your own healing work so that you're not dumping your work on another being you know so that when you start doing that dual cultivation you're both working with really clean beautiful loving energy 
And that's right? essential. People want to like skip to the like fun part, but you can't skip. Like there's no, there's no, no sh- I don't. you can't shortcut yourself. Like there's, and I think there's no shortcuts. Not, not with an intelligence, you know, it's mm. like, for example, as a woman, we have a strong, we're magnetic. We have a strong tidal pull for men. So if our man is trying to like learn how to not like how to separate ejaculation from orgasm per se so he can last longer and we're like practicing that together but then the woman has this tidal energy he's gonna have a lot harder time than if he practices on his own and you practice on your own how you can like support that energy right um we can really suck our partner's energy it's more on the female side it's easier for us to like take the energy from our partner to take the life force from our partner even Mm. so we want to start practicing um on our own so we're really confident in our own energy and then we start playing with another being's energy but it also comes to the relationship we have with ourselves. you know so often we look and I do think that there's growth and healing and crucial things that happen in relationship to other but more than anything I feel like that's the testing ground it's like okay how much have you worked on yourself okay now let's get in relationship and i'm going to show you a mirror okay yep there's a spot that still could use some polishing there's another one okay there right there right and yeah we can do that work in relationship but oftentimes it takes us stepping back from that relationship to be like whoa what's going on in here Mm -hmm. and you know we can't so often we want to be like okay you change yeah. Like this is happening for me, you change. That mm-hmm. doesn't ever work. Now both people have to be doing that. Both people. This is conscious relationship. So first relationship is self. But we are in a world where I, you know, obviously if you look at the whole of human society, it wouldn't function without everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, we are meant to be communal beings. We are meant to be collaborative, co-creative. We're meant to have relationships and to influence one another. We are all molded by the human beings we come uh, into contact with. You know, best example, our parents. I always say that this is like the, this, the most karmic of all our relationships are the parents that came in because those are our first um, experiences of masculine and feminine. Our experience of fat, masculine and feminine will be molded by relationships. So if we're born and our father had like jet and he's not around or mom, we're watching our mom have to pick up the slack without any masculine influence, like we might go overly masculine to like make up for that lack or we might like have a complete fear of the masculine or, or, or uh, resentment or whatever right so that's our very karmic relationship it sets an imprint for the rest of our relationships if we don't clean it up right Mm -hmm. and we can't you know if we keep especially if you're you know having those repetitive relationship patterns where it's like why does this keep happening in all my relationships like i change the face like on tinder like just change the face but the same shit's happening why because you have to do the work you have to face the shadow again tantra it includes everything. There are two different paths of Tantra, primarily. There's the left and the right. The red and the or the red and the white also, right? One is the left-hand path that deals with darker aspects of humanity and sanctifying them into holy acts. The white path focuses more on um, 
the lighter aspects, right? So we're not working with sexual energy at all in the right-hand path. So here's another misrepresentation of Tantra. There are Tantric paths that don't have anything to do with sex whatsoever. And, you know, some people would argue that those are the higher levels of Tantra. I think both are equal. They're just different paths. But regardless, whichever pathway you choose, you're going to have to face your shadow stuff. Even if you're, you know, in traditional Tantra, you might have a sadhana, which is like a long stretched out practice where you chant a certain deity's mantra for like three hours a day for 40 something days, right? And in the process of that, that deity, the mantra awakens, it's a, it's a, um, a chant that you do to the deity. It awakens particular frequency of energy in the body and it might bring stuff up for you right doing that practice part of the reason we do meditation and discipline practices is because when we hold ourselves in a particular container oh my god the ego starts to jump around like a wild little monkey and throwing a fit and it'll you know fight against this and then stuff comes out and it's 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 designed to be a container so that the monkey starts rattling the cage and throwing all the shit so you can be like oh look at that Okay, like coming back to the mantra, <laughs> right? Purifying, purifying, purifying the mind, purifying the body. So this is, you know, this is the path of Tantra. If you're afraid of the dark, you can't be a Tantric. I'm sorry, <laughs> like not going to work. Yeah. If you really want to step into the Tantric path, whether the traditional or the nouveau, you have you can't be afraid of the dark. When you're entering into that level of intimacy, into me see right mm. you're looking deeply into yourself then when you're with other that's our secondary second relationship other we to have a tantric relationship we have to look deeply into other and when we look deeply into other we can't cause harm to other without feeling that for ourselves so especially in sexual relations there's a lot of harm caused in how we navigate our sexual relationships and lack of awareness around those sexual relationships. It can be physical harm, emotional harm, mental harm, you know, spiritual harm even, right? And so as a tantric, we come into our relations with re a lot of consciousness, a lot of care, right? We marry the head and the heart with the passion of the loins, right? With the passion of the womb or the hara or the yoni or the lingam. You know, we have to have that channel open, right? The chakra system. Most of us are familiar with the chakra system. It's like a flute. The flute doesn't sound good if you don't like close any of the holes. You got to like awaken the different aspects of our being. And then our sexual energy can be complete. Then it can be a circuit that we can share like a troidal field or the Taurus with another being, right? Building this energy, building this intimacy, that leads us into our third relationship. Very important. This is the goal of Tantra, right? First relationship, self. Second relationship, other. Third relationship, spirit. All of a sudden, we can bring ourself and other into an experience of unity, of supreme ecstasy, of, of union with all things. When we have like a full body orgasm, I almost, I hesitate to call it an orgasm because it's like, it's kind of, it's, yeah, it's orgasmic, but it's, I wouldn't even call it an orgasm. It's because the experience can go on for as long as however, you know, but it's, it's our, the whole being melts. All of a sudden, there's no longer a separation between yourself and the one you're making love with. 
right? It completely dissolves. It's a state of ecstasy. Mm -hmm. And it happens through, sometimes it's just the right ingredients. It's two people who, like you're saying, are willing to go to a certain level of depth and openness, Mm. right? It can happen to people who don't know jack shit about tantra or energy or anything but they just have this supreme love that's honestly one of the most important ingredients Mm -hmm. if the heart isn't open if the heart can't open the body can't open you know fully Mm -hmm. especially for women Mm -hmm. so often it's like my yoni is not wet until my heart is feeling full right until my heart is feeling like okay i'm safe okay i can open right this is like my foreplay it happens like here first, right? Say something sweet to me. You got me. You know? <laughs> Look into my eyes. You know, we all want to be seen. Mm. You know, I do think it goes so much deeper than sex. The desire, those of us who go into the tantric path, it's so much deeper than sex. Mm. We want to be seen. We want to be experienced. We want to see, we want to experience. Mm -hmm. We want to see the divine in the other. We want to taste the divine in the other. We want our own divinity to be tasted and experienced, Mm -hmm. right? That's how we bring spirit in. That's how we meld. Like, I think that's what most of us are looking for in lovemaking. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like as a woman automatically embodied, I'm already half of a whole, right? So depending on your sexual orientation, you know, you're oriented to something and that's the other half of your whole, right? So in lovemaking, we have this physical representation, a gross representation, again, as in gross and subtle, of of wholeness, right? Hmm. But again, we want to learn how to establish that for ourselves because if we rely on someone else, What happens when we are laying on our deathbed and that person can't come with us into what's next? Or they die. Or they die and we lose. Then we've lost, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not saying don't mourn. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying, you know, to not have fear about death. I have fear about death. Most of us have fear about death. Animals have fear about death. Um, But that if we're really on the spiritual journey, we really want to find that self-sourced wholeness. And that's the primary on the tantric path, self-sourced wholeness. And then we get to practice with another. (laughs) Oh, I lost my wholeness. Oops. Okay. I'm going to come back to myself. And how do we keep in our center? Here's like, for me, the real tantra of sexuality, of sexual union is how do I stay fully in myself while simultaneously being fully present with the other, right? Mm -hmm. Then you can ride the same wave, right? You don't want to be completely in your own experiences. That sucks. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you, like I've been in some lovemaking experiences where I was like, did you know that there was another human involved here? (laughs) Like, hello, (laughs) bite. So that's not what I mean. It's like, how do we stay full, like aware of every cell in our being, how the energy is flowing, and then also the interaction, right? It's like science, you know, there's this chemical interaction of energies happening as we come together with another being. How do we start to morph those two until we sink into that experience of it's just, it's not my tongue and his tongue, but just tongues dancing. It's not my yoni and his lingam, but just like energy dancing between 
you know, these physical vessels, these physical forms. Mm. How do we, you know, I'm looking into your eyes. How do I come to this place where it's like, that's not Finch. That's universal consciousness <laughs> expressing in this very particular form and frequency, right? How do I experience myself as that? How do I have this experience so completely that there's no longer a delineation between myself, you know, mind, my body, and spirit, and this person's mind, body, and spirit. But it's all one simultaneous, seamless experience birthing out of awareness and presence. Mm. Yeah? So, yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yeah. So, I mean, that is so, that's very appealing to me. Like, I, I, I've never had, like, a full a full experience of like unity in that sense where like I'm in this lovemaking experience and I'm and like I've completely like forgotten who I am you know or mm -hmm. or that like we're just in this togetherness I mean I, I've been in a, in like really deep states of presence and openness and and there's just this like nectar flowing between us that we're we're both like like yeah connected like eyes locked into each other and and both like listening to ourselves and listening to each other and like dropped into like a, a profound depth of mm -hmm. uh, presence together and and yeah just feeling that flow between each other but um and i think there's there's even just a lot to speak to just to even how to get to a place like that which maybe we can cover but yeah well, maybe we should start there and we'll build up, right? Yeah. So for me, I feel like in order to get even to that that place, uh, well, like you spoke about the heart, the, that heart connection. Mm -hmm. And I think in order for even a heart connection to be established, there has to be that trust and that willingness to open, right? Yeah. And But there's a beautiful space that happens when you can just like sit nude with your partner and just look into each other's eyes and just there's like a, an internal opening and just allowing allowing yourself to be seen by that other person and that other person allowing you to see them and yeah. just to and like there's there's even some things that can come up just in that space of like there can be some fear that comes up in that space of like like, well, this is scary, you know, this is scary to be seen. And it, that's not scary for me anymore because I've done a lot of that. But there was a time where mm -hmm. it's it feels like it made me feel nervous just to sit and make extended eye contact with a woman for a long amount of time and to not just act on this impulse of like, okay, like let's start touching each other, but just to like right? sit and totally. breathe and like sync up your breathing with each other. Like either you're both breathing in and breathing out at the same time, or she's breathing in while I'm breathing out mm -hmm. and, and to either sit at a distance or to like have her sit on my lap and we're just breathing together. Like that can feel uh, that can like bring up some anxiety or some fear. But I think as a starting point, that's a like, 
okay well, if that's good, happening that's, that's good. good be with that you be know with that's that. like oh like look that's there that's okay part now of let the it just process of what opening. happens if i just sit with it instead yeah. of the immediate like you said your immediate reaction is it. just like let's just have sex now okay yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's like oh like in that what discomfort. am i afraid why am i afraid to see okay now soften soften into that yeah you know for me it's really about softening when i have that come it's like oh interesting okay Let's soften into that. Let's see what's what's beyond that, you know, and mm. and oftentimes there's not a story when you're holding presence, open eyed meditation with another being. There's not enough room. You know, if you're really holding presence, there's not room for a whole story. Oh, I'm afraid because when I was in fourth grade, my best friend. Did, nah, 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 nah. No, it's it's like, no, it's just the energy of fear. You feel it. It's like, mm. OK, tension, resistance, like, OK, just OK. Yeah, I see it. And and sometimes just in seeing it mm-hmm. and like releasing the tension in the body, deepening the breath. Okay, returning again to that full presence. It eventually will melt away, mm-hmm. you know, but it does take. We have to face that fear. We're all, you know, especially in Western cultures, you know, there's we're so bombarded by how we're supposed to be like this and we're supposed to be like that and you know, men aren't supposed to have emotions or at least not express them. And women are considered lunatics for actually expressing their emotions and, and you know, not seen fit for certain jobs or political positions because, you know, so it's like, mm. it's scary to let people into those places within mm. us that are fragmented. Mm-hmm. And, and we all know that, you know, first of all, we all know that we're going to die someday. I keep bringing it back to that because you got to put it all in context. Like we're going to fucking die. And that's scary. And I personally believe that one of my teachers said this and I was like, Oh, I don't know why, but it really struck a chord with me. She said, the reason we're so afraid of death isn't because it's unknown. You know, if we believe in multiple lifetimes, which in the tantric system, they do. Um, everything's cyclical. Death is followed by rebirth. But we actually know that dying kind of sucks. Like, it can be hard. It can be really painful. It can be, you know, like your soul's ripped out of this physical incarnation and like everything you've oriented yourself around is all of a sudden freaking gone. And then you have to like be birthed again and figure it out all over again. It's like, oh my God, how many times have I freaking done this? So like, I just like that thought. I'm like, oh, maybe we're afraid of death because we're like, damn, I'm going to have to do that thing again. We're afraid of like <laughs> intensity. Yeah, intense mm-hmm. suffering, suffering. And it's the same thing we're afraid of. Like, is it actually death that's scary or is it the suffering that precedes death that's scary? Sure. Yeah. You know, that's scary. That's more scary to, to me. me. That's more scary to for be sure. Sick and in pain and just lingering like in this. Like, right. You know, body. it's going to come and there is some fear around that. And so you try to hold on. But then you're like this. Fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's a, it's a doozy, folks. We're all in a doozy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to intimacy, uh, there's this part of us that wants to be immortal. This is what most spiritual paths are based on, including Tantra. The search for immortality. What within this transient experience is actually lasting, right? So when we come into a relationship, there's this uh, inevitable annihilation (laughs) of that uh, immortality that we like to project. You know, we like to project the having it all together, the, you know, and as soon as we start going deep with somebody, 
inevitably there are going to be parts of ourselves, as Finch mentioned earlier, that are going to come to the surface. You know, that pain, that pain that we ourselves don't even want to see. Likely this person's come into our life to be like, hey, that's there. Mm -hmm. You have this pain. You have this freaking intense pain. And not all of us as children, when we had that pain expressed, were held correctly. And so we've been taught that if we express this pain, we'll either be called a wussy or, you know, locked in our room or someone just won't have the emotional capacity to really comfort us. You know, they'll stick us in front of a TV screen or with a teddy bear when really we need to be held and our hair stroked and told that, we're loved and, and we're not alone and whatever. Maybe we are alone, so maybe we shouldn't tell people that. But <laughs> We are and we aren't. We are and we aren't. So, so it's scary. It's a risk. It's a risk to be truly intimate with another being. And yet the cost of not doing that is a life half lived. Mm-hmm. The cost yep. of not allowing yourself to be seen in your essence. And when I talk about love, tantric lovemaking, there ain't no freaking ego involved, right? We're trying to get that out of the way because we can't have these deeper experiences of lovemaking if our ego's like, yeah, I got her in bed or, <laughs> or I'm going to make him my husband or whatever is But sometimes going on that stuff comes up on the way yeah, right? so let it like observe and let it go just like the fear mm-hmm. whatever it's just the mind doing its thing it does these things mm-hmm. but it's when we attach to it and then we go down the wormhole of, mm. of when that you, like and, engage it and indulge in it yeah yeah and well you feed it yeah right yeah and it's limiting is limiting is what i'm saying when we have these little like you know, it's coming from our ego. Our ego's happy we got this woman in bed. Our ego's excited that this might be a prospective husband or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when we're in our essence, right? When we're coming to bed with another being from our essence, that's all there is. It gets really simple at that point, mm-hmm. right? We're sharing our, our essential energy. And what is essential energy, right? Because this might not be familiar to some people. So I believe, (laughs) yeah, this is from the lens of Halo. Um, You know, we all are birthed from the same cosmic womb, the same source, right? But obviously we're all different. And some of our difference does come from ego. It comes from this particular persona and our experiences and how they've influenced us and our parents and friend group and, you know, a million different influences. The older we get, the more influences we have. And so our personality gets more and more locked in, right? But underneath all of that, we all have this very different, like, so if we do uh, an open eye meditation or eye gazing practice, this is the point of this practice is I'm no longer looking at Finch the ego. I'm looking at Finch the essence, ideally. Like, what is his essence? What is the energy of this particular being? Mm-hmm right? The essence. Usually it's the essence of a being that we fall in love with. And then along the way, this shit comes up and we're like, you're not who I thought you were. It's like, no, the essence is there, but there's also this other stuff. And so through Tantra, it's like we work through those other layers so we can come back to essence so that when 
we're in the most ex intimate experience that humans can have, sex. We're coming at it from that essential place where it's like, again, I like to use the term alchemy because what is alchemy? It's like two separate substances become one. So my essence and another being's essence get to come together. And then there's this like third essence created, mm. right? This is why, um, you know, the other thing I'll say about tantric lovemaking we don't just share this with anybody. You know, if you're if you are like, wow, I'm really not able to open to this person. First of all, it's not like, OK, I'm going to breathe through that. And, you know, no, we also want to trust our instinct, our intelligence. If this is not a being that we should be bringing into our field in that way, mm. we also listen to that. You mm -hmm. know, there's a discernment again when we're we're coming into the experience as whole beings, not fractalized, not just. I really want to get laid or or I really want to like feel connected. You know, this is something I know a lot of women will do. They'll they'll, uh, you know, how do I say this? I keep trying I'm talking about touchy topics and then I like try to figure out the softest ways of saying them. Um, well, women who are very promiscuous and it's not actually coming from a sexual place. It's actually coming from like they mm. need their their feeling of self-worth and being loved. They think they can only have met by having sex with people. Right. And, you know, so we want, you know, again, our the, the passion and power of our reproductive system, right? Our lower chakras, the, the, the sexual energy to be a part of the experience. We also want the levity and the sweetness and the expansiveness of the heart. So in Tantra, if we're working with energy, which we have to be to be practicing Tantra, um, we're moving from gross to subtle. Here's that uh, duality pair again, right? Gross, subtle. I'm going to talk about that a lot because it's all about that. We're moving the energy from grosser centers, more dense centers, right? Our root chakra is the earth element. The next chakra, Svadhisthana, water element. Second chakra, they call it our sex chakra. Um, both of them in actuality are. Muladhara is also uh, very connected to our sexuality. In the system of Tantra that I've studied in, um, the Muladhara root chakra is found at the female cervix and the head of the male penis. Those come together. Interesting. Mm. So, um, so... Sorry, the base of the male penis. I got that wrong. Um, but still, that comes together, right? And then the second chakra, I believe, is at the head. So it's different. It's different than a lot of the systems people study. Um, so our goal with sex is that we're moving the energy from gross to subtle. So we're starting with a, a gross experience of physical, you know, like this to start to move the energy up into the subtler centers, right? So up into the heart, right? Now we're in air element. So this denser energy, and this is where we go from me, 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 right? Lower chakras are all about me. Survival. If you're in a survival mode, you're not thinking about sex. You're like, you know, dividing and like doing whatever you can to like me, like survive, right? Uh, David Data talks about this a bit. He talks about first, second, and third stage relationships. And first stage is kind of that like, you know. What can we get out of each other? Shut up, bitch. And then you throw her on the bed and get yours and then walk off. Or, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm 
being like really no, go cra- vulgar in this talk today. That's fine. Crass, opinionated. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we want to evolve. And then in, in, once we come up to the heart, all of a sudden it's like we're like, oh, there's a there's a whole world outside of myself. There are other experiences being had. Another being suffering is my suffering. Right. And so then we're, we're navigating from the heart, the giving and receiving of love. Right. Which is energy. Love. It's the Velcro of the universe in the tantric system. Shakti, the goddess, is love. She's all of it. She's all of it. But love is her is her glue. And so then from there, we move up even further. And this is where we move into the more subtle realms. This is where we have those, you know, like from the heart, we can have like that, uh, like you were speaking of that melding from the heart. As we move up further, this is where we get into those subtler realms where we start to dissolve into pure consciousness, right? So um, this is where it's said in the tantric path that Shakti or Kundalini meets her beloved Shiva. They first meet, some systems say the heart, um, most systems say in the third eye. This is where the two nadis that I spoke about, energy pathways, in the last talk, Ida and Pingala, lunar and solar, left and right side, finally end and converge together at the third eye point. So this is where duality first melts and then the crown chakra opens and spirit gets to come in. So we're also using our intellect, right? We want to have all of these centers in alignment. We want to be moving energy from gross, from dense to subtle. And then we can even orbit the energy. So we move from gross to subtle, but then we bring that bliss, that exquisite bliss and ecstasy from coming into that union. We bring that back down through the whole body, bathing every cell, right? And this is what we're sharing with another being. So we start to move the energy like this. We can move it in the Taoist system. It's called the microcosmic orbit. So you can go up one body and down the other or or doing both orbits uh, simultaneously. So it's going up from both sides and then down, but but you're like crossing the orbit. So you can do like figure eights, moving the energy. You can use this with breath. So this is just examples, but we want to have the whole being involved, right? That is the practice. Mm-hmm. We're coming to the experience from our totality. That means we're, our wisdom is involved, right? Our intellect, our discernment. Is this a being that I want to share energy with that, you know? Because we do, we create another entity when we bring our energy with another being like that. Whether or not we make a physical human, there is an energetic imprint that's made. If you've ever wondered why, you know, it's like, you know, I still feel, you know, someone you made love to like could be years ago and you either had a good or a negative experience. If you see that person or hear their name, there will be some imprint from that experience left over, some residue from that experience. It takes us time. You know, you don't have that so much, or at least I don't with like friendships. You know, if I had a fight with a friend and like whatever, it's less of an imprint, but like people that I've made love with, it can take years before that there's like no residue or reaction or something like this. Something, mm-hmm. something, you know, and it's different. I, I do think women carry that more because we're the receptive. We receive a lot of the energy. Um, so so we just want to be really mindful. And uh, from here, I want to go into 
even more taboo <laughs> subject, something I like to uh, talk about. And um, when I teach, I like to use these principles. I want to give you a heads up too. We've got time. about we've got about twenty minutes. Okay, so, great. Yeah, yeah. This will be have, a good. We still have time, but cool. This will be a good kind of heading out point. So, oh, and also I want to <clears throat> I want to also by the end give mm -hmm. people like some like practical kind of tools to move forward. Maybe that's the direction you were going in, but yeah, like, you know, ish. Yeah, okay, great. Ish, but it. I'll go in that direction officially. So um, I like to talk about, you know, so we have our sexual energy and um, while it's associated with Kundalini specifically in the tantric system, it's known as Ojas, also in the yogic system, kind of same, same. Um, and Ojas is carried in the fluids of the body. So in the man, it's in the semen, in the seed, right? And in a woman, it's predominantly through men in menstrual blood, right? Lots of life force energy there, right? And so men and women both lose their life force energy, their sexual energy, because this is one of the other main principles of tantric lovemaking is that we're preserving our life force energy and we're using it to channel from gross to subtle uh, for spiritual awakening first and foremost mm -hmm. and also for longevity because the longer our bodies are healthy and alive the greater this is the goal this is from the tantric perspective the greater our opportunities of awakening are right if we die again and then have to be reborn we start all over right remember mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we want to have a long healthy life so that we can focus on what's really important that lasting eternal space that transcends that wound of separation so um so we lose our sexual life force energy through these fluids so one of the goals of the male tantric is to separate orgasm and ejaculation some men might be like that's how is that even possible it is possible you can actually separate that you can have a full-blown orgasm even better orgasms because again, now you're starting to get more in tune with the female orgasm. So a female body has like a multitude of orgasmic capacities, which I think is fair because we have to, you know, painful menstrual cycles, sometimes painful intercourse, you know, being entered like it's a real thing for women. Like sex isn't always pleasant. Uh, I know I work with a lot of women who have uncomfortable sex. I've had periods in my life where I've had like, you know, uncomfortable sex or my cervix got hit wrong or something like that. And it's like the opposite of pleasant. Um, so where was I going with that? Derailed. Uh, you were talking about the fluids. All right, the fluids. Still, there was a, a, another point. Um, anyway, oh, right. So female orgasmic potential. So, so in exchange, childbirth. I mentioned childbirth. So there's all these like kind of intense experiences. But on the other hand, f the female body has this capacity for orgasm that's like a painting palette with so many different colors, right? We can have all these different types of orgasm, whereas the masculine orgasm tends to be somewhat limited. Um, in my experience and in my studies, uh, I really believe that that and, and originally in the tantric systems, females were the initiators into, they used sex to awaken another being's kundalini, to awaken their, that energy of liberation, 
right? They would use sex to do that. Um, I believe this was originally done via women. And if you study like, uh, like Jesus and Mary Magdalene, I think there was a similar thing happening there. The temples of Isis, there was, there were these different ancient rites where women were, um, sexual initiatrixes, even the concubines of ancient China, the courtesans of, you know, ancient of like Europe, the, like all these different traditions, the Devadasi of India, women were transmitting this frequency. This is because a woman can bring a man into a deeper orgasmic state than he could go on his own. I really believe that. I've really experienced that. Oftentimes, the sex is as good as how far it went for the woman. That's kind of the, the gauge for how deep and profound the sex can go. Uh, this you're saying the male sexual experience can be equal to the yes female yeah and reliant to some degree on the female like having a deeper orgasmic experience a deeper sexual experience can have to do with how wide the woman can open up Mm. right so if you i don't know i mean we have a male voice here so let's test the theory have you had experiences where the woman, you know, was only able to open so much and your ex- your sexual, your experience of sex was like definitely proportionate, yeah. right? Whereas a woman fully open and it was like this mind-blowing yeah. sexual experience. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. What I want most from my connections and my sexual experiences, I think more than anything else is to be trusted mm-hmm. and to be opened to. Right. Like for her... And, and you can lot, only go so far yeah, as she will open. Exactly. And so, for me, like a lot of what I want to do is to facilitate her opening is, is to like, mm-hmm. yes, prov, prov, you know, yeah. provide right. the sort of like masculine strength, stability, container, safety, that yes. kind of like um, defender, protector energy for her to feel safe to open and that takes time well it doesn't have to take time but um i found for a a lot of partners there's a lot of things to work through based on her Mm -hmm. past experiences and stuff like that but that is what i want most and the the best uh lovers that i've had and the best sexual connections i've had are with those women who are um capable or they're able or willing more like it to trust me and to, or to inspired because like you said you're, yeah. if you're the active principle which we play different roles in lovemaking so again masculine feminine not gender based so much but like yeah if you're able to hold a certain frequency it's a mirror you know and so it's like a woman not always obviously there are like things uh, that can get in the way of this but but it's like for me when I open to a man, it is it's it's a result of what he's holding, mm-hmm. right? It's like the active principle and the receptive principle. And if the active principle is acting a certain way, I might slam shut. You know, I could be opening, opening. He does one little thing, and I'm like a clam, right? Yeah. Like just like blew it, bro. <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> um, what I want to say about that is. Going back to the separation of ejaculation and orgasm, 
So a role that a man can play, because there's also a dependent factor on, on the male side of things, which is the woman keeps opening and opening, it gets more and more intense, and oh, it's over, mm-hmm. finished. <laughs> so the first goal of retaining the seed, the uh, semen, is to retain your life force energy, right? Because that's energy that can be used to live longer, healthier, and can be sublimated into uh, experiences of spiritual awakening. So, but it also, what it also does is that men can then become multi-orgasmic just like women. And not all women can access multi-orgasmic states either. Sometimes there's things, usually it's because of, past traumas, whatever, tension held in the pelvic bowl, um, we start to melt that away. We start to like learn that it's safe to open. We start to activate, you know, one of the things in this like kind of male-dominated sexual expression is that, you know, if women even can orgasm, which it's like epidemic that women don't orgasm even, mm-hmm. like can't even have orgasms, the next best thing is they'll have you know be addicted to clitoral orgasms and think that that's the only expression of orgasm that there is which is the most akin to the male orgasm Mm -hmm. but there are these deeper orgasms that can be had there's g-spot cervical tends to be the one that really like you know all the layers melt into one universal experience of pure bliss and can go on for a long time now there's so many ingredients that have to be in place for this to happen. And one of those is the man has to be able to meet the woman to that point and not lose it. It's like surfing, right? You got to stay on the wave and not let it take you over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so man got to learn how to surf. <laughs> so that's when we start doing this practice. And I'll give a practical practice with this. And that is called edging very romantically Mm -hmm. um, where you as a male will bring yourself close to orgasm um, but not to the point of no return um, obviously just below below the point of no return and then you can there's several techniques you can do that point you can just stop and breathe imagine breathing the energy up the spine Um, You can connect the tongue and start to do a microcosmic orbit, meaning connect it to the palate behind the front teeth, circulate the energy. You can do a banda, which is a lock. So you inhale, hold at the top and sorry, exhale and then draw up. Well, you can't inhale, hold at the top. That's one thing you can do. And describe the banda again in case they didn't listen to the first episode. Yeah. So a banda is an energy lock. So a couple different things you can do you can inhale and just hold at the top and you can pump the perineum bring more energy up so it's less focused generally which is what it tends to do when you're about to orgasm or um, you can exhale and draw up and in the belly so it's like a strong sucking and pulling up bring the chin in and bring the eyes up so you're really strongly pulling that energy up and you hold for as long as you can and then exhale and just give a moment so these are different practices you can do you can also just simply stop moving and let yourself cool down with the breath but I do at least invite uh, encourage breathing up and down the spine if you're able stay connected to your partner while you're doing this 
right? Mm-hmm. So if you stop, because what'll happen on the other side is that she'll be building energy and then you just have to totally stop and then she starts losing energy. Uh, and then you have to build her back up to a certain point. So um, yeah, this is something that's really good to practice on your own so that, and also especially, you know, if you are not using another form of birth control with your partner, this is my like little <laughs> ad I guess uh, you'll want to do this with protection, like a condom or something like that, in case you go past the point of no return, right? Because mm-hmm. you're doing this as a practice. So that's what um, the man can do to start to get more equal with the duration that a woman might need to open to these deeper states so that you both can open to those deeper states, right? It's like a two-way street and dual cultivation to get to these more transcendental or even just like heart connected experiences, obviously looking into each other's eyes frequently, um, breathing together. And, and Finch, I love that you already shared some breathing techniques. It's very simple. You can either be inhaling and exhaling and syncing that up. This also really helps if a man's getting really hot and a woman's cooling down. You can even imagine that Uh, The woman sending cooling energy to the man and he can send his heating energy to the woman. So this can help to balance the energies. Like if she's still needing to like move energy forward and he's needing to cool down a bit, Mm -hmm. like literally a lot of visualization, just breathe and send the opposite energy to the partner and then breathe in. Uh, the opposite energy so the woman would send cooling energy and breathe in warming energy and the man would breathe out warming energy and breathe in cooling energy to start to equalize Mm. so this is a great thing to do when you're practicing edging so the man can slow down stop but instead of like completely stopping and and like retracting into himself unless you need to Mm. uh he can start to breathe back and forth with a woman and start to do this sharing of energy. Yeah. And I want to add in too that um, something that I've found helpful is like as my energy is starting to build and I feel like, oh, I'm like approaching orgasm right at that moment, like before it builds too much, but it's starting to reach that peak. Mm-hmm. Um, I will do like I'll breathe that that kind of fire from my genital area, like I'll, I'll breathe that up my spine. Like you're talking. Yes, exactly. But not just regular breathing. Like I'll, I'll like breathe like strong, like through my nose, like, yeah, Yeah, totally. And and like strong out my mouth and, and just like, and, um, I'll find that I can actually like, I, it doesn't diminish, like it doesn't diminish my, like how, um, I'm interacting with her. I'm still able to like keep up that pace and, and where she's like continuing to build. Um, I'm still able to like keep the physicality up, but, um, I can actually spread that or like move that energy into the rest of my body. Yes. And, and and it also doesn't diminish my pleasure either. It actually expands my pleasure. Totally. That's crucial. I'm so glad you mentioned that. So for men, it's really important that because the energy will start to get very focalized. And so starting to expand it out into feeling the whole body, um, you can wiggle your toes, you can, you know, just whatever will bring that energy into other parts of the body. Yeah. Um, for women, this is true as well. You know, we want to be like 
rate like concentric circles i think of if you throw a stone in the pond like rating that energy out so even for women same thing like as we experience sexuality you know especially if we start to hit something that's like oh this is really good like to start breathing that and expanding that sensation through the breath through toning through visualization even just like imagining that sensation growing up into the heart into the breast into the throat into the whole body um yeah you can tell uh especially it's i feel like it's more obvious with women where the energy's starting to move like when a woman starts like making tones and moaning and stuff it's like that okay energy's moving up here when it's in the heart you know she's like really lovey and touchy and wants to connect through the eyes and so there are different sim signs of like where the energy's moving you know when it gets into the higher chakras sometimes people need to close their eyes or eyes will even roll back into the head or the neck starts arching or whatever so you can like observe and kind of see mm. and start to play with where the energy is and you can even play with like hey we really want to like nourish each other's hearts to tonight so bringing the energy very consciously up into the heart and then sharing it through the hearts directly with one another lots of eye gazing you know we can transmit energy through the eyes we can transmit energy through the tongue through the saliva mm -hmm. so connecting tongues taking time you know so we want it to be a full body experience and and done intelligently mm -hmm. meaning that you know it's like sometimes we get really trapped in like mechanical mm. uh love making mm -hmm. right and so we want to like break the mold try different things like don't always have genital stimulation like what what happens like you know make a date with your partner to have sex without genital stimulation what does that look like like try some different things like what how can we arouse different energy centers again i'm going to go back again and again to subtle is where ecstasy begins it really does so we want to tune everything back to like you know, like nipple stimulation or the back of the neck and finding the different erogenous zones of the body and starting to, it's like when you go and hear an orchestra, right? You want to, you want to hear different things at different times. You want a crescendo and you want, you know, like surprises along the way. So we want it to be novel. We want it to be spontaneous. We want it to be you know, a dance, a dance of opposites, a dance of masculine and feminine, of Shiva and Shakti, right? The god and goddess. This is another practice we do in, in Tantra is how do we see the divine in our beloved, right? As we're, you know, so that it's two divine forces rather than just human coming together in this union, right? So that we're reenacting the larger play of creation, right? The mythos of creation. And so when you're eye gazing, you can, you know, as a woman, you can uh, express or pour, outpour your Shakti and then breathe and then witness uh, your man as Shiva. And then the man can like witness the, the goddess before him of Shakti and then also hold that Shiva energy, you know, and this takes things to a whole other realm where it's no longer personal. It's like it's a larger, a larger, deeper, grander experience. So just to like follow up, I want to talk a little bit more about what I was just talking about this with the seed and the blood. Mm -hmm. uh, so in some schools of Tantra, they would also teach women to sublimate, sublimate their menses. So we'd be doing a lot of like headstands and huffing and puffing like the men. 
I'm not as into this. I actually really like having my menstrual cycle, but we do lose some of our life force energy through the menses. So you're saying that there's actually a practice where you can stop the menstrual cycle. Yes. I know women who have. Yeah, you absolutely can, or at least shorten the bleed time or the amount of blood. Um, so you do these practices consistently and that happens. So, um, yeah, so that would be one thing. Now, some of the, the other tantric rites would be to, and this is something that I will say you only, only do with somebody that you're willing to have a deep karmic, energetic soul connection to. But you can work with the fluids of the seed and the blood and mixing them, like making love during that time, mixing the fluids and channeling those energies through the body. It's incredibly powerful. Again, not something you just do with anyone, not something you uh, play around with. This is for like high level practitioners. You can also like. So that requires an ejaculation on his part that wouldn't require an ejaculation that would inquire that would require mixing mm -hmm. the fluids you can also i feel like it's getting too taboo to go into other things you can do with those fluids but just imagine okay. <laughs> that is it's like the elixir of life sure. right shiva and shakti coming together mm -hmm. and so there's something very 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 potent in those fluids now this would be very much considered left-handed tantra or the the red path of tantra right mm -hmm. the dirty path of tantra <laughs> <laughs> but um again it's something it's it's magic you know you would want to use this for something very intentional something very much connected with essence not ego um and with a being that there's a really clear uh soul contract with but it can be very very powerful to work with those fluids together mm. um yeah yeah beautiful well, we're both a little bit flushed now. I know it's hot and I we're know. talking about hot talking things. About sex. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, again, we went super deep into this one and um, I loved all of it. I would love to talk even more like just just in in the end of this conversation. I feel like that there we, we could do a whole episode on sex and maybe I've wa been wanting to do some episodes, too, with more people like I. My mm -hmm. equipment can accommodate up to four people and it'd Ooh. be fun to have um, just coming to mind now is uh, y yourself and myself uh, and Danelle mm -hmm. Naraki from mm -hmm. uh, I had her on before and another man too, just to get to totally. women and two men and just to like yeah. my thought is, is to call the episode uh, how to have good sex or mm -hmm. something. <laughs> I like to try and come up with catchy titles, but um, yeah, just to like talk about that and especially to go into the the, the deeper, more subtle um, aspects of sexuality and connection because there's a, the best word I can come up with is nectar. There's a nectar that comes through yeah. when you really tune in to these deeper levels with yourself and with the other and there's an expansion that occurs too, but there's this really subtle quality of energy that I can only describe as nectar. Ojas. Yeah. Or Jing in the Taoist system. It's a very sweet energy. When it starts flowing, it there's like it very is. specific thing. And then when it connects, you know, when you, when you and your partner can actually come into a particular rhythm 
Mm. You know, and I don't just mean physical rhythm, like, but mm-hmm. there's this, uh, like, I always use the word dance. It becomes mm-hmm. a dance, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of mechanical, mm-hmm. there can be this sweetness that flows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to talk, I want to really like focus in on that and get really into that and describe the quality of it and how mm-hmm. to get there because. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an obvious appeal to sex. Everyone loves sex. And, but, um, and it's more difficult or it's, it's requires more commitment and intention and patience to get into the subtler realms. Like you, you do have to be willing to like slow down and cultivate and, um, have some discipline to get beyond just the the gross. Oh, you absolutely do. You do. Yeah. But I want human wanna, spirit has to come in, not just yeah. human animal. But <laughs> the the quality of experience is so much richer and so mm-hmm. deep and valuable. And I, I think not probably a lot of people are not even aware of it. That like, hey, like if you go further and go beyond the sort of most obvious available sexual experience. There's this whole other realm that can be experienced. Mm -hmm. And I want to really go into that in depth and just kind of, um, yeah, just describe the experience and offer that avenue of like, hey, this is something that can be explored too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we definitely got into some of that tonight. but yeah, I it'd mean, be great to go even deeper into that. Yeah, in a nutshell, well, I, I would love to talk more about that. But in a nutshell, it's like you can learn all the techniques in the world, mm. and then there's grace, and then there's just the right connection and the right frequency at a particular time on planet Earth between a particular couple of people, you know. And it's like, oh, we lost the camera. That's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, is it still uh, voice? My, yeah, the voice is fine, but okay. my memory cards run out at, around this time. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really like, you know, we're, do, we're putting forth effort to have a particular experience and then we're opening up to grace. And again, it's like that opening is super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So great to have you back on the show and uh, I'm grateful to have you as uh, a, a close friend in my life and um yeah we talked we we've had so many good conversations over the years and especially in the last year or so that we've lived in the same town so mm-hmm. so Lovely. great to have you here sharing your wisdom and i uh, appreciate you very much thank you likewise yeah yeah I remember the day Finch was like, we should record these conversations. And look, I love that. Yep, like, there we are. <laughs> action. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. An honor to be here. And um, yeah, I, I really hope that this conversation is inspiring for those of you listening and uplifting and insightful. And um, yeah. Hmm. Oh, and before we go, let people know how they can find you, your website, and any offerings that you might have. Yeah, sure. Um, I think I shared this in the last episode, but if you weren't, uh, if you haven't watched that, um, my body of work is called Shakti Temple Arts, and I work predominantly with women, but I'm starting to branch out and work with men as well. Um, And I do, I work in the traditional and 
somewhat nouveau tantra realms uh, and in the Taoist sexual arts, um, specifically for women. But again, I'll be opening that field to men as well in the near future. Um, and my upcoming offerings, uh, I do have a series here in Sebastopol for women in the Taoist feminine arts, which are very similar to the tantric arts, how to move sexual energy. We work with the jade egg. Um, we work with the concepts of yin and yang, which are the you know Taoist equivalent to the tantric Shiva and Shakti. So there's a lot of similarities in how the sexual energy is navigated in these two systems. Um, and then my, my larger offering that I am very, very, very excited about is that I'm leading a tantric pilgrimage to India in January called the Sublime Shakti Pilgrimage. And I'm leading this with another yogini sister who's deep into yoga and tantra more so than me because she has more years on me. She's amazing. Um, and we're bringing a group of men and women. So this is a co-ed option, opportunity. Um, to India to explore tantric sites. We'll be teaching tantra along the way, tantric yoga, um, sadhana, and I'll be giving a little bit of insight into one of my other passions, which is temple dance and the tantric roots of the temple dancers. So it's going to be, I don't even, there aren't even words for it. We're going to some of my favorite places. We're going to visit different temples and have pujas done and which are uh, tantric ritual ceremonies for different deities and receive the darshan of these different places or the blessings. Uh, we'll get to see Varanasi, the same, the holy city of Lord Shiva and uh, float on the Ganga River, the Ganges River, a very holy river and do puja offering flowers and candles into her waters. And then we're going to go to one of the most auspicious tantric temples in all of India, which is called Kamakya. And it's where the goddess's yoni is said to have fallen to earth. So you, you actually walk in, it's like going into a womb and you go down and you touch, it's built on the spring. So you receive the nectar, the flows of the goddess's womb while you're there. It's very, very powerful. So that's the biggest upcoming offering, but I always have things happening. So mm -hmm. website is shaktitemplearts.com. S-H-A-K-T-I. I'm sure it'll be in the comments. Yes. Temple Arts. Yeah. yeah. And Shakti Temple Arts uh, on Instagram as well. On Instagram as well. Got the gram. <laughs> All right, Halo. Um, thanks again. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. That's a wrap on another episode of Chronicles of a Psychonaut. You can find me on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Chronicles of a Psychonaut and on YouTube, Chronicles of a Psychonaut. And while you're there, Give me a like or a follow or subscription on whichever platform. It really helps me. I really appreciate it. And let me know what you think too. Um, leave a comment. Also, another really great way to support the podcast is to write a review on Spotify or iTunes or whatever. Even if you're just like, this podcast is awesome. Five stars. You know, it's free. Uh, and... That stuff helps me. It really does. So thanks again for listening. Uh, I'm down in LA now. Uh, I'm down here recording some episodes. And tomorrow, it's going to come out next week for you guys. But tomorrow, I'm meeting up with some of my friends from my college fraternity to talk about men's groups and brotherhood. And I don't even know what else we're going to talk about. I want to leave some room just for some play, just to see 
just uh, I know those guys are interested in politics, so we might talk a little bit about the current social political climate. Um, and I have lots of other ep- great episodes that hopefully will will come together down here. Um, so that's that, and see you next week. <laughs>